continuing on in our series uh, that is giving us a, a broad overview of the scriptures. Uh, we've uh, just been traveling, and uh, we, last week we talked a bit about Abraham and uh, his role in the plan and purposes of God, uh, that God, by His grace, chooses Abraham as a man through whom He is going to bless all the nations of the world. Uh, the, the, the section of redemptive history we're looking at, we're calling redemption. We had creation, fall, we're looking at redemption, and a bit we'll look at proclamation and restoration. Uh, and it might seem a bit odd to some people uh, to be spending a lot of time in old, the Old Testament as we're looking to redemption. But one of the things I, I want us to know and realize is that uh, Jesus doesn't appear on the scene in a vacuum that there has been a long, slow process of God preparing a people to receive Him. And that there are these prophecies of Scripture that come before Jesus appears on the scene. Uh, So one of the big figures that serves as a uh, predecessor to Christ, uh, one of the things we have in in the Old Testament are are predecessors. We have people who are blessed. We have people who uh, receive prophecy about blessing that will come through them. And then we also have something that's called types. Uh, That is somebody who who serves as uh, a model in a small way of the type of work and activity that the Messiah is going to do. And we talked about that a little bit with Abraham. We talked about how Abraham's faithfulness actually led to the blessing of the generations after him. We looked at the blessing of Isaac, and God says, Hey, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation, not because of who you are and what you've done, but because of the work of another. We talked about how that serves as a model for the way in which Christ's faithfulness serves to bless us. Today uh, we're going to be looking at Moses and Christ. Uh, we're going to be looking at, at Moses as a redeemer who provides freedom and who provides uh, and as a prophet who provides the law, and then we're going to look at the way in which Christ follows after Moses, and in fact is greater than Moses. Now, uh, when I was in college, I had a really good teacher. Uh, it was a, an English composition class, that uh, a gen ed that everybody had to take and go through, and uh, my professor was named Dr. DeRose. And she would have this saying uh, where, she, where she would constantly, uh, and, and she harped on it over and over again until it finally got solidified in your brain. She would say, show me, don't tell me. So if you were writing a creative story for her, um, you know, you might say, uh, well, the person was sad, and she'd, she'd cross it out and say, show me, don't tell me. So you'd have to say, his shoulders slumped over, he sunk his hands in his face and began to sob. And then she'd say, okay, good. You know, you, 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 weren't, you weren't allowed to say it, you had to show it to her. And, and what we're going to be looking at, uh, I'm gonna, for this message I'm going to show you, I'm going to tell you and then I'm going to show you. Um, 
But what we're going to be doing is covering large swaths of ground. This is different than the way we usually do things here at one, uh, Sunday night. Oh man, already getting ready for Wednesday nights. Um, this is different than the way we usually do things. What we usually do is we usually take a, 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 a small section and then expound a lot about it. We're, we're doing the opposite here. We're taking large swaths of land and then we're trying to condense it down. Uh, in, in fact, if you wanted to kind of uh, get an overview of everything that we're going to be looking at, you'd probably have to read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and probably Matthew. Uh, so we don't have we don't have time to look at all these things. So I'll be referencing a lot of things uh, that if you want to double check me, and you should double check me, look at those passages and, and, and start to see how they compare. As, as we look at Moses, uh, we're going to look at one of the prophecies of Moses. Uh, look with me, if you will, at Deuteronomy 18. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 18. This is a predictive prophecy. Uh, Moses is, is speaking in, in this passage, and he is uh, predicting somebody who's going to come later than him. By the way, in Jewish thinking, Moses is one of the prophets supreme. He's he, he the, he the tip of the top. He's the pinnacle when it comes to prophets. A priest is somebody who makes intercession for the people to God. They offer sacrifices, they offer prayers. Why? As an appeal to God from the people. Uh, The prophets work the opposite way. The, The prophets make appeals to the people from God. They give the authoritative word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. This is why their work is often accompanied by miracles, divine signs, things like that. Because otherwise somebody could just come up and say, hey, this is what the Lord says. And they'd say, well, who are you? What what are you doing? What authority do you have to speak on behalf of God? Now, this is Moses, who, as we've said in the Jewish thinking, is uh, a, the, the top of the top. If you look at what he presents from God, he gives the Torah, he gives the law to the people. Uh, this is him talking to the people about something the Lord has revealed to him. Deuteronomy 18, beginning in verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb. On the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see his great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So we have Moses predicting, Moses the great prophet, predicting that another prophet is going to come after him who's going to be even greater than himself. And uh, as all good Sunday school uh, children know, the answer to who that is is Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 3 gives us uh, a good starting place for this conversation where uh, the author comes out and describes the way in which Jesus is greater than Moses. Uh, 
Hebrews 3, uh, verses 1 through 6 say this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast to our confession and our boasting in our hope. So we have this uh, Old Testament prophecy in Deuteronomy. The author of Hebrews uh, says that this person who's predicted, who's going to be greater than Moses, is Jesus. And I mentioned the book of Matthew uh, because Matthew is the gospel that is written to primarily the Hebrews, uh, the Jews. So in his gospel, Matthew tends to emphasize and pick up on a lot of these themes, these prophecies that flow out of the Old Testament that point to Jesus. Matthew uh, points to the fact that uh, Jesus is a descendant of Abraham that he is the one through whom the blessing flows. He, he points to the fact that he is a son of David. He is a, in the kingly line. And he points to this is a prophet who is greater than Moses. And at the end, he even hints at that Jesus is something greater than all these three things. He is the son of God. Now, the, the ways in which this is done in Matthew and in, in the New Testament are numerous. And in a lot of places, they don't necessarily tell you this, but they do show you this. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go over some of the ways in which the uh, ministry and life of Moses parallels the ministry and life of Jesus, and the ministry and life of Jesus surpasses the accomplishments of Moses. We see uh, in Moses' life, uh, where is he born? He's born in Egypt, so in order he comes up out of Egypt. He goes through the waters of the Red Sea. He spends time in the wilderness being tempted, and he gives law from a mountain. Jesus in fleeing, uh, Jesus' family in fleeing the persecution from Herod, where do they go down to? Egypt. And, and then it describes them coming up out of Egypt, and Jesus goes to John the Baptist and goes through the waters of baptism. Immediately after the baptism of Jesus, he is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted. After being tempted in in the wilderness, he goes out and gives his most famous message, the Sermon on the Mountain. So immediately, if you just take a broad, zoomed-out view, you see all these parallels from the life of Moses and, and, and the life of Jesus. And I don't think they are coincidental. 
We also see Moses is a deliverer of his people. He leads the people out of slavery. He leads the people out of bondage in Egypt into freedom. What does Christ do for us? Christ delivers us out of our slavery and out of our bondage to sin. Now, if you you compare these these two, Christ is far greater. Moses' delivery, or is it delivery? What's it called? Deliverance. <laughs> delivery was what the UPS driver does. Uh, Moses' deliverance is temporary, earthly, and limited to one people group. By the way, later on, as a result of not following uh, the law, the people of Israel, they get brought back out into slavery. They have the Assyrians come and attack them. They have the Babylonians take them out and put them into slavery. Moses' delivery, deliverance, is temporary, earthly, and limited to one people group, the Jews. Now contrast that with Christ's deliverance. It is eternal. He saves us from our sin and their eternal death that comes as a punishment for it. It is spiritual. It affects not only our physical bodies, but our spiritual bodies. For freedom, Christ has set you free. And it is open to all people, both to Jew and to Gentile. Christ is far superior to Moses as a deliverer. Uh, in the life of Moses, we, we have this, uh, and this is where it's like, uh, man, I wish we could have weeks and weeks and weeks, but the goal of this is to get me not to take weeks and weeks and weeks on everything. Uh, we, we have this little incident that uh, after all these signs and miracles and the opposition of Pharaoh saying, no, 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 you can't leave, uh, we, we have this event that is uh, called the Passover where the Jews have to put the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their homes in order for uh, the angel of death to pass over them and not visit their firstborn. Now, we have, in, in contrast to this, Jesus, the Lamb of God, the first and only Son of God, who saves through the shedding of his own sacrificial blood at Passover. You know that? You know, you, you know the, the Last Supper, what feast they're celebrating? They're, they're celebrating the Passover. And, and this is very intentional, very symbolic, that uh, in, in that they were celebrating that the death passed over them. There, Jesus is now, in a, in a way, pointing to the fact that, look, I'm going to be the reason why death passes over all those who believe. I'm the reason why the wrath of God can pass over mankind. Jesus is the greater Passover lamb. Uh, Moses forms a people uh, who are to be dedicated to God and his purposes. Uh, That is, the the people, as they're coming out of the land, uh, they don't have a king. Why? Because God is supposed to be their king. God is supposed to be their ruler. Now, they rebel against that later and and demand a king. Uh, But they're, they're a nation, they're a kingdom under God's authoritative rule, under God's kingship. 
In other words, what does Jesus do? Jesus forms a people who are, be, who are to be dedicated to God and his purposes. A kingdom under God's authoritative rule. When Jesus comes and he starts preaching, what's he preaching about? He's preaching about this kingdom. He's, he's telling people about the, the laws, the way in which one is to live under this kingdom. Now, one of the problems with the law of Moses uh, is that it had no power to transform. It, it let people know the righteous requirements of the law, but then they had no ability to meet it. Um, and I mean, it, I, I think a great illustration of this comes in, in Jesus' interaction with the rich young ruler. Uh, if you remember the story, this rich young ruler comes to me and says, what must I do to be saved? He, there's some sort of internal conflict. And Jesus says, you know what you're supposed to do. Follow the law. Do, do all those things. He says, look, I've done all that since I'm a kid. What else am I missing? He says, well, sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Come follow me. What's the guy do? Leaves dejected. Why? Because he's got a lot of earthly things. Now, from Jesus' ministry, what's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, that, that, that's one of the top two. Now, if that guy was loving his neighbor as himself, would it matter which one of them had his money? No. By the way, if he loved God with all his strength, with all his might, with all his heart, with all that was within him, do you think he would turn down an opportunity to spend time with Jesus? He, he, he fails on, on both accounts. And, and by the way, look at our own lives. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Really? Do you treat them on the exact same way you would want to be treated? Do you love God with all that's in you? By the way, have you seen God's standard of love? Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. What do we, where do we see the love of God? We see it in the cross. He died for anybody lately? You, you willing to put forth that type of sacrifice? So when the law of Moses is given, it's this wonderful and beautiful thing that we can't live up to. That we can't meet the standards of. So this is this beautiful thing that condemns us. And we have no power to get to the point where we can obey it perfectly. Now contrast this to what Christ does. Christ gives us a law. And by the way, Christ's law is harder than the law of Moses. The law of Moses says, thou shalt not murder. Jesus says, hey, look, if you're angry with your brother, you're going to come under judgment. Look, on a good day, I can get away. I, 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 can, I, I can make it without murdering somebody. On a good day. Man, you, you put me on 240 for a minute or two. That anger comes out. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the law of Moses. What's Jesus say? If you look at a woman with lustful intent, you've committed adultery in your heart. One of those is a lot harder than the other. I don't get the people who say Jesus came and he you know, made, made, made things a lot easier. Look, the, the commands of Jesus are a lot harder. 
But in Jesus, so the laws of Jesus in a way are higher and harder. The, the, the righteous requirement of Jesus' law, it kind of extends. It says, hey, that other stuff, that, that was dealing with the root or, or the fruit of sin. I want to get down to the root of it. Not, not just when uh, your violence, your anger leads to murder, but all the way down to the anger in your heart. Not, not just when things get so bad that you commit adultery, but all the way down to the lust in your heart. That's what I want to deal with. It condemns us as well, but in Christ, we have somebody who empowers us to be able to start achieving what God requires of us. Jesus, when he, he leaves uh, the earth and is telling his disciples, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get out of here, he tells them this incredible thing that it boggles my mind. He says, it's good for me to leave. I think about how much I would have loved to spend time with Jesus, how much I would love to be around Him. But He says, it's actually better for me to leave. Why? Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to empower you by Him. He's going to remind you of what I've said. He's going to empower you to do those things. The law has no power to transform. Christ does. When we went through Titus, we talked about how the grace of God transforms us. The passage we really harped on as we were going through Titus is, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, and teaching us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. What's doing that? The grace of Jesus Christ in us. While Moses' law is a good and beautiful thing, Christ brings a higher law, a holier law, and begins to empower a people through His Holy Spirit and through His grace to accomplish it. Christ is greater than Moses. Moses delivers the Word of God to the people. Jesus is the Word of God incarnate. Um, it, it, you might have mentioned, you, you might have noticed when we were looking at that Deuteronomy passage, uh, you know, it kind of emphasized, it, it kind of pointed out that this new prophet wasn't going to be speaking on their own, wasn't going to be talking out of their own authority or rule, but rather was going to be constantly speaking the words of God. Do you ever notice how that keeps coming up in the Gospels? Jesus keeps emphasizing, hey, look, I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm doing what my Father sent me to do. I'm not saying what I want to say. I'm saying the words that God has given me to say. I'm not here to accomplish my will, but the will of the one who sent me. That's pointing back to the fact that Jesus is this prophet who is greater than Moses. Moses hands down the law, the Torah. Uh, by the way, that word uh, Torah, uh, law is a good translation, but it's a little bit limited. So, so the idea of Torah is the authoritative instruction. Now, when we think of law, we kind of think of legal code. You know, there's there's uh, of you know criminal justice. You, you disobey this, you get this type of punishment. Uh, but it, the term is a bit more expansive than that. Uh, go go and read through those books of the Bible. Read through Deuteronomy. Look at all the laws and instruction there. And some of it's criminal code. It's like, hey, if you do this, this is the punishment for it. But then other stuff, it's like, you know, love love God, love your neighbor, be kind to the foreigner. 
Uh, other stuff is like, it's like sanitary rules. It's like, you know, Department of Sanitation. It's like, okay, if this happens to this object and, or vessel, you need to destroy it. There's a section where the priests have to go in, and uh, if your house has certain, like, mildew, has to go and scrub it out. Uh, I'm glad that didn't, you know, transfer over into the New Testament. Um, you, you know, so there, there's all these instructions so it's not just the uh, the legal code, but it's a, you know it's wisdom and insight for living in all different areas of our lives, not just in uh, in what I would call the the legal code, which is what we typically think of when we think of law. It's uh, legal, it's moral, uh, it's all all sorts of additional things. But Moses hands down this law, this Torah, uh, to the people of God as given by God. This, as we said, is a prophetic word. It's one of the reasons why Moses stands above the other prophets, because he was the one through whom God gave the Torah to his people, which becomes the the basis of their whole civilization. In Jesus, we have someone who fulfills the requirements of the law given by God for his people. Moses delivers the law to the people. Jesus fulfills the law for his people. In Jesus, we we, we have uh, the first time somebody completely accomplishes all that the law requires and intends. And he does this for the benefit of his people. Christ's righteousness in fulfilling the law provides us access to the Father. Uh, There's this term... It's a big theological term. It's called a dual substitutionary atonement. And what that simply means is that the righteousness of Christ is given to us and our unrighteousness is placed on Jesus at the cross. That's the transfer. That's the exchange that occurs. Now, in order to do that, Jesus has to live a perfect and a sinless life. Because what? The punishment for sin is death. Eternal death. Now if he sins one time, guess what? He's got to die for that. He's got to live a perfect life in order to be a perfect sacrifice. Moses hands down the law. Jesus fulfills the requirements of the law. We don't have uh, the power, and we mentioned this, we don't have the power to completely obey or fulfill the law. Remember, Moses himself is disqualified from entering into the Holy Land. The, the one who, through whom the law comes doesn't even have uh, the, uh, the ability to obey perfectly. He gets frustrated. He lashes out in anger. We also see in Moses' life under his leadership, um, this is another one of those parallels that we wouldn't necessarily think about, but a, a Jewish audience would be tuned into. Uh, as they're wandering in the desert, the people grumble and complain that we have no food. And then through uh, under Moses' leadership, a large number of people are miraculously fed in the wilderness. Does that remind you of any stories about Christ? goes out, teaches in a, in a desperate place, uh, you know, the large crowds come out and they say, hey, what are we going to do? And twice, Jesus feeds the large crowds in the desert, in the barren places. 
also through Moses. Moses himself was not a priest, but he set up the priesthood. Uh, you look at the Old Testament descriptions, and he's the one who actually consecrates the priests. Aaron and, and his line as the high priesthood, and the Levites as priests throughout the nation. But Moses is, is the one who sets up this priesthood. And, and this priesthood... Uh, gives all these sacrifices for temporary propitiation, temporary covering of sins through animal sacrifices, repeated animal sacrifices. Jesus is a high priest who provides continual propitiation, not temporary. Moses' propitiation is temporary. That's why they had to keep offering the sacrifices again and again and again. Jesus provides continual propitiation of sins through the sacrifice of himself on the cross. Uh, Moses, in giving the law uh, and all the commandments, uh, establishes um, what we call now call the Old Covenant, the covenant of law. In that, there, there's a, a section where it goes through, hey, if you obey me and follow me, here are the blessings you'll receive. And if you disobey me, if you don't follow me, here are all the curses that will come down on you. And we see through the life of Israel, often they fall away from God and receive uh, the curses that come through the law and through that covenant. As we said, the, the difficulty with the law of Moses is that it didn't have the power to transform hearts. Jesus gives us a new and better covenant. We see this at the Last Supper. He talks about the cup representing the blood, uh, representing a new covenant. This new covenant is uh, predicted in Jeremiah 31. Turn there with me if if you've got your Bibles. Jeremiah 31.31 This is the description of the new covenant prophesied many years before Christ. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor, and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Jesus comes to institute a new covenant where the people of God are transformed from the, within their heart, not by an external law, to bring about the forgiveness of sins and God remembering their iniquity no more. In in all these things, we see that Moses is a great prophet. 
He provides deliverance for his people. He provides the law of the Lord. He is somebody who is greatly to be admired and looked up to. But in all aspects of his ministry, we continually see that Christ is greater. The freedom in Christ we have is greater. The the law that Christ gives is greater. The covenant Christ provides is greater. Not, Not only these things, but Christ provides a way in which, under the law, we are now declared righteous. He provides a way in which we are separated from our sins. He provides a Holy Spirit to empower us to obedience. Christ is the one that was prophesied in Deuteronomy 18, who is going to come and be a greater prophet than Moses. Aren't you glad he came? Aren't you glad he accomplished what he set out to do? Aren't you glad he freed us from slavery and bondage and made us alive to him? In Christ alone are these blessings found. And Isaac is going to come up to us before us and lead us in a rendition of in Christ alone.